you would this morning and turn to 1 John. Now there's the Gospel of John in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But then there is the Epistles of John. And that's right at the end of your Bible. Just before you get to the book of Revelation, there's a handful of short little letters. And uh, we're looking at the first epistle, which means letter, of John. And um, our text will be taken uh, from verse number 7, but we'll read beginning of verse 1 and uh, all the way. It's just 10 verses, and we're going to read this chapter together. First John and chapter number 1. When you find that, if you would, out of respect for the Word of God, stand with me, please. Stand with me, please, as we read the Word of God together. I'm going to begin with verse number 1, and I'm going to ask you to join me aloud on verse number 2. Then I'll read verse 3. We'll read together verse 4, and we'll continue uh, responsively like that and finish together on the last verse. I'm beginning with verse 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Won't you notice verse number three? That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Notice that. Now notice verse number seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. So we have in verse number three, uh, the formula for fellowship with the Lord Jesus and God the Father. And then we have in verse number seven, the formula for fellowship one with another. I want to speak to you on the subject this morning, staying in tune with the Lord. Staying in tune with the Lord. I want to help you. I want to help your homes this morning. I want to help your friendships. I want to help your marriages. I want to help what's broken between you and your children. I want to help you. I hope you'll give me your heart, your mind, your ears, and let God's Spirit speak to you through His Word. Father, we love you. We need you. Without your help, without your Spirit, all is vain. 
And so please uh, come and speak individually to hearts. You know the needs, Lord. I don't know the specific needs, but I know you do. And I pray, Lord, that uh, perhaps even something that uh, might be said even in passing, uh, led of thy spirit would be that which would speak directly to a particular need in someone's life here today. May we all be tuned in, listening to thy spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I started, uh, I guess, in elementary school uh, on, the, on the flutophone. How many of you remember the flutophone? How many of you the flutophone? You ever played the flutophone? Okay. And um, we had a, a band director. He was, uh, I think he went to graduate from Florida State, and, uh, uh, or maybe it was University of Florida. Where's Dave at? I just said a bad word back here, uh, up here. But anyway, uh, but he was, a, he was an excellent musician, and uh, he taught the instruments and so forth. And so I went from the flutophone, and I went to uh, a cornet, which is uh, uh, a, uh, the runt of the trumpet family. And uh, anyway, but went to the cornet, and then the trumpet, and then uh, uh, played the baritone, uh, and then wound up on the French horn. That was my favorite of the brass instruments. And uh, all of them very similar in how you play, a little different fingerings with the French horn. But, um, uh, but uh, when, we, when, we, uh, when we play together as a, as a band, orchestra if you will, uh, we, 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 were a, we were a concert band, I guess you'd call us. And uh, when we played together, before we performed, uh, we would tune our instruments. Now, uh, maybe you know what a tuning fork is. It looks much like a fork. <laughs> and you hit it, and ding and it give you a particular note, and it to be right on tune, such a, thus a tuning fork. But in our situation, uh, we would tune our instruments typically uh, to the first chair flute, and the, uh, the band director would have uh, the flute, uh, first chair flute play the note, and then we would tune our instruments. And if you've been to a concert or anything like that, and you hear all the going on, that is all the instruments trying to get in tune with one another. And because uh, if you are singing here, and someone's singing here, and someone's singing here, it's going to sound like a mess. And so you need to be in tune. Now, in order for us to be in tune with one another, in order for the French horn to be in tune with the trombones, and for the trombones to be in tune with the trumpets, and the trumpets to be in tune with the clarinets and so forth, we all had to be in tune with the first chair flute. And when we were all in tune with the first chair flute, guess what? Then we were all in tune with one another. Can I tell you what will be bring harmony? If you'll get, now listen, that's my whole message, but I still got about a half hour, okay? So don't, don't, don't get too excited. But, uh, but if, do you know here, you know what the whole message? If you'll get in tune with Jesus, then you can be in tune with others. Amen. Amen. Jesus is your church, uh, first chair flute. Amen. He is the one to whom all human relationships ought to be tuned. Verse John 4, 7 there in our text talks about how that we have a fellowship uh, uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And then down in verse number 7, it talks about, excuse me, verse 3, we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. And then verse 7 talks about how we can have fellowship one with another. Uh, can I tell you something? Uh, there, there's something special and something sweet 
about two people who are in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ, who cross paths with one another, there is something special that happens. That word fellowship is a precious word to born-again believers. It's more than camaraderie. It's more than, uh, it's more than just uh, uh, we have common interests. It's more than just we have common goals. It is uniquely uh, and a unique experience to, to God's people to have fellowship, to be in oneness, to be in harmony, to be in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ by His Holy Spirit and then from there to experience a harmony or to be in tune, if you will, with other people who are in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, I've I, I told this, but... Uh, several years ago, I think I was in Gulfport. I can't remember. But I was at an early morning uh, flight out, about 5.15 maybe, at the airport. And, uh, and uh, no, no, it, folks aren't real talkative uh, at, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, security lines at the airport at 5.15 in the morning. And so there I was. And, uh, and you're not allowed to make eye contact to at least 8 a.m. Anyway, but no eye contact. Nobody talking one another. And, uh, and, and here's a guy, and he's, uh, he's running the back through, you know, and uh, he's the guy saying, uh, take shoes off, take your belt off, everything out of your pockets, and, uh, and, 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 and he's uh, like an anomaly. He's, uh, he's uh, what do you call the security there? Somebody help me out. TSA. TSA. Uh, TSA. And, and this is like a happy TSA agent. That's mercy. Take a picture of that. And uh, anyway, but here he is. He's smiling, and, and, uh, and I got thinking. I said, that guy's got to be born again. There's no way in the world you could be a TSA agent at 5.15 in the morning with that kind of smile on your face if God the Holy Spirit isn't living inside of you. And I got up there, and it's my turn to put my bag on on, uh, there and and get my bag run through. And I looked at him and said, hey, man, do you know the Lord? He said, you born again too? I said, yes, sir. He said, wow. Now, you know what? For those two or three seconds, we were best buddies. I've never seen him before. I've never seen him since. But in those few moments at 5.15 in the morning in an airport where everybody is, it's unwritten rule, you can't speak and you have to be grumpy. There were two people who were in tune with Jesus who in that moment were in tune with one another. And can I help you? Can I simplify your life? Listen, if you'll get in tune with the Lord Jesus, you'll have the best chance of being in tune with others that you've ever had in your whole life. Let me give you some doctrine. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. How many say, preacher, I'm born again. I'm saved. Say amen. amen. Then the Bible says you are in Christ. Now I'm going to teach you. Listen, I, I, I can't explain all this. Amen. He that cometh to God must believe. Amen. You approach God by faith. Amen. I, 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 can't, uh, I can't explain all this, but I can tell you exactly how it is. I can't explain gravity, but I know how it is. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If you're born again, you're in Christ. In Galatians 2.20, the Bible said, Paul wrote, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But Christ liveth in me. Colossians 1.27, he wrote these words, Christ in you. Talking to believers, the hope of glory. So get this. If you're born again, you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. How about that? That's not all. 
The Bible said that we hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. So we know this. We know that we are in Christ and Christ is in us because of the scripture, but also because of the Holy Spirit. I had no Bible verse at 5.15 in the morning at the Gulfport Airport that the fellow that was checking the bags was a born-again Christian. But I had someone inside of me. And that someone inside of me was also in him. And there was some electricity. Amen. There was some, on the spirit level, there was some communication going on between my spirit and his spirit. And the Bible says right here in 1 John 4, 13, that it is the spirit of God. That's a capital S. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Now follow me further. You, if you're a Christian, are in Christ. You, if you're a Christian, Christ is in you. That's not all. Romans 8, 39 says the love of God speaks of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I mean, how many of you saved? Say amen again. All right. Hold on. Hold on now. How many saved again? That means Christ is in you and you're in Christ. Is that right? Okay. Watch me now. The Bible said Romans 8, 39 speaks of the love of God that is in Christ. You say, say amen. You're in Christ and Christ is in you. Guess what's in Christ? The love of God is in Christ. You with me? You know where I'm going? The love of God that is in Christ and Christ is in us. Guess what? That means the love of God in Christ is in us. Amen. What is the conclusion then? It means that as a born-again believer, I am capable of loving God and loving others, not because I work it up, not because I feel Gucci-goo when I get around somebody, but I am capable of loving God and others because the love of God is in Christ and Christ is in me. You still with me? Ah, this is doctrine. This is Bible. Amen. How many of you say, say amen. amen. That means you're in Christ. And that means that Christ is in you. And the Bible tells us the love of God is found in Christ. And if the love of God is found in Christ, and Christ is in me since the day I was born again, that means I have the capacity to love as Christ loved. Listen, you, listen, you, you, you can have a fondness, you can have a friendship. Now, I'm going to say something somebody's gonna, somebody's not going to like. Go ahead and prepare you. But you cannot love with Christ-like godly love. And God is love until you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Oh, you can have fondness and you can have friendship. You can, you can have feelings and you can have emotions. I understand that. But dear friend, let me tell you something. God is love. God is the very essence of love. And when, when, when God in, in, uh, God's love is in Christ and, and, and Christ is in me as a born-again believer, I then have the capacity, if you will, of loving others because the love of God is in Christ and Christ is in me. Now, let me give you another thought. You can be I said, number one, let me give you this. Number one, you are in, if you're safe, say amen, you're safe. All right, you are in Christ. Number two, 
You can be in Christ and out of fellowship with Christ. You can be in Christ and out of fellowship. Just like, okay, you'll understand this. Just like you can be in a marriage and out of fellowship. Can I get a witness? No testimonies. David had a relationship with the Lord. And he didn't lose his salvation. By the way, folks in the Old Testament got saved the same way you and I got saved. If this right here represents the cross, and that far piano over there represents the beginning of time, and that door over there represents the trumpet blast at the rapture, everybody, we're living over here somewhere. Well, actually, we're real close to that door, quite frankly. (laughs) Real close to that door. But anyway, we look back at Calvary. We put our faith in what Christ did for us and His shed blood as being sufficient for, for, for the forgiveness of our sins. We look at the blood of Christ. We look at Calvary. Jesus died and was buried, rose from the dead three days later. We look back by faith at what Christ has done. We weren't eyewitnesses. We didn't see him die on the cross. We didn't see him in his resurrected body. But we sure have plenty of record of it. And, and uh, millions and millions and millions of transformed lives uh, are transformed by the precious blood of Christ. And so we look back by faith. Well, folks, in the Old Testament, they, they got saved the same way we did. They just, their perspective was different in the fact that they, they looked forward. They had a promise that it instituted all the way back in the book of Genesis, illustrated in those coats of skins that God made for Adam and Eve and clothed them in his illustrating clothing, being clothed in his righteousness and the precious blood that was shed, the innocent animals that had to die to cover the shame of their sin and their nakedness. Hey, guess what? God's Christ's blood covers me of my sin and shame. Hallelujah. Amen. And so they looked forward to Calvary, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, whereas we look back to it, but we all receive him the same way. We all come to him by faith. So David, here in the Old Testament, here's what he said. He said, after he sinned, a terrible sin, he committed adultery, and he had a man killed to try to cover his tracks. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Committed adultery, and then had a man killed to try to cover his tracks. And when he got right with God, in Psalm 51, you can read his prayer when he got right with God. And some of you ought to go home and flee to Psalm 51 and get on your face. And read those words that David wrote so many centuries ago until they become the cry of your own heart. You want to be clean with God? Go camp out in Psalm 51 a while. And here's what he says in that psalm. He said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Some folks that don't understand the simple gospel that it's a, it is indeed by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. If it's a gift, it, it's freely given. Some people misunderstand that and say, well, you've got to get saved again. You've got to get saved again. Folks, if you've got to get saved every time you sin, you might as well just get you a sack of sandwiches and live right here at the altar. Because by the time you get to the back door, you're going to need to come back again. People ask themselves, well, what kind, of sin do, what, what kind of sin do you have to commit to lose your salvation? The other guy's sin. <laughs> Not my sin. Anybody with me? Now, the fact of the matter is, it's a gift. Amen? So David did not lose his salvation, but he did lose his joy. And let me say this. You can lose a lot. You can't lose the gift. Amen? Thank God for that. But you can lose fellowship. You don't lose the relationship. He's still your Heavenly Father. He's still your Savior. But how, Okay, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you know what it's like to be out of fellowship with your mother? 
your father, your son, your daughter. Now you might say, well, that's not my son anymore. Well, guess what? It is. What you're saying is we're not in fellowship anymore. And the same can be true with you and your Savior. And sad thing is it's that many, many Christians do. In fact, with unconfessed sin, unconfessed sin in our lives builds up, builds up, builds up. And if you read the passage carefully, he's talking to saved people. Are you with me here? He said, if we have no sin, we're a liar. We're, we're a liar. Somebody said, well, hey, I didn't do anything. You're a liar. I, listen, I don't care what your brokenness is. If it's a relationship to God or compounding that relationship to others, you are not completely without fault. Say amen to that. You are not completely without fault. If you're a Christian, you're in Christ. Number two, you you can be in Christ and out of fellowship with Him. Amos 3.3. The Bible says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? That's one of those uh, questions with an understood answer. Can two walk together Except they be agreed, all right? Let's, let's walk together, all right? Let's walk together. Ready? If he could figure out where he wanted to go, we could walk together. But we're not in agreement. You with me? If you want to go one way and somebody else wants to go another way, you cannot walk together. Can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no. Let me give you some statements under that stock. I can be in tune with God and out of tune with others. I can be in tune with others and out of tune with God. Watch me now. I cannot be in tune with God and in tune with one who is out of tune with God. Right? Here's the first chair flute. Trumpet section. Trombones. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Adjustment. What? Listen. If you are in tune with the first chair flute and the tuba's not in tune with the first chair flute, you can't be in tune with the first chair flute and be in tune with the out-of-tune tuba at the same time. And what I just did was put my finger on the tension that's happening in your home right now. What I just did was put my finger on the tension between you and your wife, you and your kids, you and your loved ones, maybe another Christian friend. So I said I can be in tune with God and out of tune with others. I can be in tune with others and out of tune with God. I cannot be in tune with God and in tune with one who's out of tune with God. I cannot be out of tune with God and in tune with one who is in tune with God. You say, what are you saying? I forgot what I'm saying. (laughs) If I am in... Watch this now. If I am in tune with God... I will automatically be in tune with others who are in tune with God. Let me give you an example. Remember Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus? The Lord Jesus was very close to this family. He loved this family very much. 
They had experienced the grace of God. There was a time when Mary and Martha were out of tune with each other. Would you like to know why? They were out of tune with each other because they, one of them was in tune with the Lord and one of them was out of tune with the Lord. Do you remember Mary? When Jesus came to the house, where was Mary? Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Remember Mary? Jesus was teaching. She was sitting at his feet. She was sitting at his feet. Where was Martha? Martha was in the kitchen. <laughs> Bang, boom, bong. <laughs> Slamming stuff, banging pots. And, <laughs> and finally she came in and the Bible says she had an apron and she had a wooden spoon in her hand and she came and when she came, she had that wooden spoon and she had her hand on her hip like this and she said, I have something to say. <laughs> now that's not all in there, but anyway. But she wanted to know why, asked the Lord, wonder what, why my sister was sitting here. I'm doing all the work in there by myself. And the Lord rebuked her, Martha. said, Martha, Martha, how many of you know when Dad used your name more than once, that was not a good thing? Martha, Martha, thou art cumbered about. Your sister chose the better part. Your sister chose the best priority, and that was fellowship with me. In tune with me. Oh, she was busy. Martha was busy. But Martha and Mary were out of tune. Mary was in tune. Martha was not. There comes another time in the Bible where Mary and Martha were in tune with each other but out of tune with the Lord. Do you remember when Lazarus died? Lazarus died and uh, Lazarus was sick and Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick and certainly as close as he was to the family. I'm sure they presumed that he would just come right away, but he didn't. He's not on our timetables on his own. In fact, he waited. He waited several days. They could not understand why he had been such a friend to them and they such a friend to him would delay his coming. And on his way to town, there comes one of the sisters first, and she says this, Lord, if thou hadst been here, our brother would not have died. He goes a little further and meets the next sister. Guess what she says? Lord, if thou hadst been here, our brother would not have died. You know why they said the same thing? Because they had been collaborating. <laughs> you hear me? They had a conversation. And they were on the same page with each other, but neither one of them were on the same page with the Lord Jesus Christ. They were in tune, if you will, with one another, but they were not in tune with the Lord Jesus Hey, if you're a Christian, you are in Christ. As a Christian, you can be in Christ and out of fellowship with Christ. Being in fellowship with Christ is what allows us to have fellowship one with the other. Very simply, here's the sermon. Are you ready? Here it is. Your priority in human relationships ought to be to stay in tune with the Lord Jesus. That ought to be our priority. Our priority should be to stay in tune with one another. Can I tell you something? In a marriage, there are times of strength and weaknesses in our individual lives. And one of the great mistakes that couples make, one of the great mistakes that a couple can make is that when one gets down, I'm talking about in the spiritual realm, one becomes weak spiritually, one gets down spiritually, one begins to get away from God spiritually, get cold toward the things of God. And, and uh, for example, uh, uh, you're going to church, you're going to church, going to church, and one Sunday one was, ah, I don't know if I want to go today. Now listen to me, listen to me, watch me very carefully. Let's say it's the wife, let's say it's the wife. 
It usually is a trouble with a wife. Anyway, I'm sorry. Anyway, sorry. Tongue in cheek there. Let's make it the husband since I got folks mad at me. Let's say the old sorry husband of yours. Uh, let's say it's the husband. I don't feel like going today. Now, Mama, listen. Wife, listen to me very carefully. This is a crucial time in your marriage and in your walk with the Lord. Do you know when your husband needs you to be strong spiritually more than any other time? When he begins to come weak, become weak spiritually? The easiest thing in all the world to do is just say, well, yeah, I don't really feel like it either. You say, well, I don't want to make my, uh, my husband look bad. If I go to church without him, people will say, well, where's your husband? And that's going to make him look bad. And so I don't want to do that. So I'll just stay home with him. No, that's not what he needs. You know what a good husband and wife will do? A good husband and wife will be strong for one another. Amen? Listen, you, you, you can stay in tune. You can both backslide together, I suppose. But guess what? When you get away from God, the Spirit of God that put a, put a, 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 a little a bright light at 5.15 in the morning in, 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 in a TSA uh, uh, security line uh, in Gulfport, Mississippi. Uh, uh, the, 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 no, not, very, not very many people talking. Not very many people smiling. Uh, not very many people happy. Put a smile on that man's face. Put a smile on my face. And there was some kind of connection between us. And we could. I was excited to, to speak to him. I just knew something in my heart about that man. That man's got to be a, a child of God. That, that, that was God's spirit in him. And God's spirit in me. Bearing witness with our, is the Bible word, our's spirit that we are the sons of God and that's the fullness of God in him the fullness of God in me when you get away from God and you're not walking in the spirit you're just doing what your flesh wants to do let me tell you something about my flesh my flesh loves sleep do you know the book of Proverbs says love not sleep. That's in the Bible, Pastor? Yeah. That's terrible, ain't it? That's awful, isn't it? That's what the Bible says. It said, love not sleep. You know, a lot of people are in love with sleep. And sleep is a way for us to be revived and refreshed. It's a God-given thing. It's a part of taking care of our bodies. Why? So we can, just so we can be relaxed? No. So we can be refreshed, so we can get up and go do what God wants us to do with our lives. Amen. But you can get to the place where you love sleep and make an idol of sleep. And what you ought to do is decide, tell your body how when to sleep and not let the pillow tell you how. When I maybe you have no, it's, it's, I'm going to church tomorrow, I'm going to church tomorrow. And, 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 and the alarm clock goes off and, 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 and you say, I'm going to church tomorrow. And you get out of bed and that pillow reaches up and it grabs you and jerks you down. It like it comes to life. <laughs> Now, listen, listen, if you're walking in the flesh, listen, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Do you know what the connection was between myself and that gentleman in the airport? It was God's Spirit in him and in me. I've watched this guy in line I have to go through the long line. I watched him. And God's spirit that's in me was in him. And it was bearing witness with me. 
And the Holy Spirit said, you'll like that guy. He's one of my children. He was telling me that. And can I tell you something? That was God's spirit in me. Can I tell you something? If you backslide on God and you get out of fellowship with God, you listen to me. You listen to me very carefully. Don't you fool yourself into thinking you'll stay in fellowship. You won't stay in fellowship very long, I guarantee you for sure. Because it is God's spirit in us that gives us the capacity to love, the joy that we feel in relationships, the peace that we have in our homes. That is an activity of God, the Holy Spirit, in us and through us, my friend. And if you say, well, we're just going to get down together. Listen, oh, listen, if your wife is struggling, hey, fellas, stay on top side. Stay in tune with the Lord Jesus. Dear lady, if your husband is falling out of fellowship with God, oh, more than ever, you need to stay in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay in tune with Him. You may think the answer is to go down with your spouse, get out of church with your spouse, but you're wrong. You see, God alone is unchanging. Men are constant moving targets, mankind, but God is unchanging. Don't forfeit what you have with God for a hope of staying attached to a moving target. Backsliding is not a position. Some people misunderstand the doctrine. Or backsliding is in the Bible. Backsliding is not a position. Backsliding is a direction. It is movement. It's not stationary. When you are sliding, you are going from one place to another. Backsliding, as a Christian, backsliding is simply you are getting further and further and further from God. Now, if you say, well, I, I don't want to, I don't, you know, I want to I keep the peace in my home. I want to keep the peace in my family, and I, I don't want to have tension in my home. Listen, you, 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 here's what you're doing. You're saying, I'm gonna, you're going to have to stay in sync backsliding. Until one of you says, we've gone too far. I want to get right with God. Then comes the break. The best thing for you to do, my friend, is stay in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ where His love continues to flow through you. His patience, His peace, His long-suffering, His gentleness, His goodness is still flowing through you. That's the best thing that ever could happen to your loved one who's getting away from God. You want to stay in tune with each other? Stay in tune with the Lord. Give Him full control in your life. Now here's the problem. I'm about to... I want to help the young people for a moment. Here's, here's, here's two big problems. When we get out of tune with the Lord, again, all right, here we are, in tune with the Lord. Filled with His Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, I've been quoting, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, difference. I'm filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. In my home, I'm full of love and joy. There's peace and harmony, patience, long-suffering, gentle spirit, no harshness, gentleness, goodness. Man, what, a, what an atmosphere. Watch what happens. We get out of tune with the Lord. And we still want what only He can bring. Look, the connection that I had with a stranger in the airport was a result of God's Spirit in him and God's Spirit in me. But when I get away from the Lord and I've quenched the Spirit, I'm still his child, but I'm not filled with his Spirit. I've quenched the Spirit and that, that, 
that love and joy and peace that was once overflowing in my life showed up on my face and my tone of voice and my countenance, the way I interacted, the way I treated people. I was filled with His Spirit. Now that I've grieved Him, I've gotten away from Him, I've sinned against Him, I've unconfessed sin in my life. Now, wait a minute. Now I'm not filled with the Spirit. I'm not filled with love, filled with anger. I'm not filled with joy. I'm mad at the world. I'm not filled with peace. I'm at strife, strife all the time. Now watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. Here's what you do. You go and look for a substitute for God the Holy Spirit. You still want the feeling of being filled with the Spirit, the camaraderie. Hey, God's people. Hey, are you born again? <laughs> That's awesome, man. We have the greatest connection. Why? Because he's, he's got the Holy Spirit living inside of him. He's filled with the Spirit. He had to be. He's smiling at 5.15 in the morning in the TSA, TSA line. He's got to be spirit-filled. And here I am. That's wonderful. Now, here's what happens. You get away from God, and you still want the same fuzzy feeling. Watch me. So here's what you do. You take the bait. You take the bait. And the devil is happy to come along and say, You want some peace? You can drink your way to peace. Do you know what the Bible said in Ephesians 5.18? He said, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you know what drunkenness is? It is the corresponding opposite of being filled with the Spirit. It, is, it parallels being filled with the Spirit. It's just that it's the opposite of it. Do you know when a man is drunk with wine, he walks differently? He talks differently. He doesn't talk like he usually talks. His vision, is, he sees things differently. Every woman in the world is beautiful to a drunk. He responds differently. He reacts differently. Why? You've heard some people say, oh, that's just the booze talking. Why? He is filled with a substance. Watch me, watch me, watch me. God's word says, Ephesians 5, 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. A man that is in tune with God and filled with His Spirit, he walks differently, his countenance is different, his conversation is different, he views things differently, he speaks differently, he responds differently. Why? Because he's controlled by the Spirit of the living God. Don't hand over control of your life to a stinking fornicator or to a substance or to a bottle or anything else this old world has to offer. Let me tell you something. You won't find in the world what you can only have with the Spirit of God. Instead of staying in tune with God, enjoying the flow of His Spirit and love, joy, peace out of us, what do we do? We go looking for fellowship somewhere else. Listen, some of you this morning, look at me, look at me. Some of you this morning, you're about that close. You're about that close. You're out of fellowship with God this morning and you're about that close. And make it some of the most foolish decisions you've ever made in your life. So, ah, it's just easier. The way 
of the transgressor is hard. You think, you're, you think your life is hard right now? You're getting ready to make it ten times harder. Young people, we're not trying... We're not against your desire for friendship. We're not against your friends. However, we know that when you seek to find someone in tune with you, when you are out of tune with the Lord, you're going to find someone who will only keep you out of tune with the Lord. Did you hear what I just said? When you seek to find someone in tune with you, When you are out of tune with the Lord, you will only find someone who will help to keep you out of tune with the Lord. If you, listen, kids look at me, look at me, young people look at me. If you got a friend, they say, your parents don't like me, do they? That's a pity play. Your parents don't like me. They just don't realize the connection we have. No, it may be that your wise parents know you're not where you need to be with the Lord and that's the worst time of all for you to try to make connections with other people who are away from God. You'll make connections out there that will bring permanent consequences to your life. Listen, young people, we're not trying to keep you from having a friend or having a relationship or, 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 or having a boyfriend or a girlfriend in due time at the right time. We just want you to be in fellowship with Christ and get connected with someone who's in fellowship with Christ so you can enjoy harmony with Him and harmony with each other for a lifetime. That's what we want for you. So many, many in the world are chasing for that which only harmony with God can bring, trying forever to find that person. And you say, oh, I found found my soulmate. How is it you've already had nine soulmates? No, this, this is my soulmate. What you need to do is get your soul connected to the divine first chair flute. His name is Jesus Christ. And when you get connected to him, all of a sudden you'll say, hey, you will start to feel a connection with others who are connected to him. Amen. And as you learn to walk closely with him and walk in his spirit, all of a sudden there's love and joy and peace and long suffering. The fruit of his spirit begins to pour out. And listen, I got news for you. You cannot hide it. You cannot. I listen. I'm not saying I'm a model Christian. I can go to a place I've never been before. I've been in the garden. I got my hands covered with mud. I got jeans with holes in them and stains on a t-shirt and walk in to buy some nuts and bolts or something like that and walk in the store and somebody say, Hey, are you a preacher? (laughs) Can I tell you something? I'm not just being a preacher. But if you're a spirit-filled Christian... Another spirit-filled Christian is going to spot that. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's God's spirit in us. Real simple sermon. Stay in tune with the Lord. You still got your Bibles? Look at one more verse here. I'll close. Verse 7 again. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. We close with this. 
the only hope you have to have eternal fellowship with a holy God. There's no sin in heaven. And no more, listen, no more than you would allow me to come to your house where your family lives or your loved ones live if you knew that I was deathly sick, highly contagious, and needed medical care, and I said, oh, I just want to come in and have supper with y'all. If you knew that I was critically ill, highly contagious, and that contact with me would mean contact with the same disease that I carry, and the consequences would be the same, then you and your family would become sick, you would have every right and it would not be unloving for you to say, Pastor, please don't come in our home. Let me call an ambulance for you. You understand that? And God Almighty has the same prerogative in His perfect heaven. Heaven's not a fairly good place. Heaven's not where the best people go. Heaven is a perfect place. There's no sin in heaven. Amen? Amen. And you cannot have fellowship and entrance into a perfect heaven until you have been completely cleansed of the sin of the, the disease of sin. And I got news for you. The water in that baptistry can't wash your sins away. Your good deeds cannot wash your sins away. Taking the Lord's Supper as we will Sunday a week uh, cannot wash your sins away. But the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. It is through the blood sacrifice of, our, of Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior, His death on that cross, shedding His blood and rising from the dead. That's the only hope you and I have to go to heaven. Now watch this and I'll be done. Stand up for just a minute. We're going to let Him represent God the Father. Brother Hamper is going to represent God the Father. I'm going to let this little card right here represent the blood of Jesus Christ. There's one payment and one payment alone that God the Father will receive whereby I can gain entrance into His perfect heaven. The only payment that He will receive is the only payment that will make me clean. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And so if I approach God the Father and He demands payment for my sin and He's a holy and a righteous judge and He will demand payment, if I present the blood of Jesus Christ as payment for my sin, then my sin is covered. And God the Father in His justice cannot and would not and will not demand payment further than the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now watch me carefully. But suppose I, unwilling to trust the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ, that this, this representing the blood of Christ is the only hope I have to go to heaven, it is the only thing that can wash away my sin. It's not part of the solution. It is the solution. If I believe in the blood of Christ, but not its sufficiency, and I say, well, I just don't think you can confess your sin and believe on Jesus and expect to be forgiven of all your sins and go to heaven. I think you also have to be baptized. Question. If I present as payment for my sins, as hope for my entrance into heaven, if I present to God the Father, the judge of the universe, the payment of Jesus' precious blood and my baptism, question, by adding baptism as necessary to gain entrance to heaven, 
Have I enhanced the payment Christ provided? Or have I diminished it? Have I magnified the payment Christ made? Or have I lessened the payment? Lessened? Pastor, how's that? By adding to his sacrifice, I have, perhaps unwittingly, suggested that his payment is not enough. And that what I have done, and my goodness, this could represent baptism. This could represent my good deeds. This could represent my loyalty to my religion. This could represent many things that people trust will help them get into heaven. Now, i got news for you, my dear friend. As soon as you try to help yourself get to heaven, you have diminished the sufficiency of Christ's blood. And Bible, the Bible says that we are cleansed by His blood alone. And the way to be saved and the way to gain entrance into God's perfect heaven is to say, Christ you are my only hope. I need you to cleanse me and save me. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Would you bow your heads, please? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.